0: Fire and Fiddles. When I am old, I want long gray tornadoes rooted in my head to twist and take up surrounding landscapes, strip them to simple fragrance, swirl them into music. A blue eastern sea becomes salt and flamenco guitar. City sidewalks change to exhaust fumes and drums. This long road stretching before us is suddenly diesel and harmonica. I am an old woman with long gray tornadoes that whip and grab at your hands, bring them in close, whistle softly over your skin, sometimes touch down but always somewhere within, moments of calm in the eyes, deep down in the roots. I can't keep you from destruction, have always had trouble predicting the weather but still you stand, fill my footprints with yellow pollen for my safe journey. You follow behind at a distance like the hunter, never losing track of me no matter which direction these tornadoes toss me, push me day by day to the landscapes that will become simply approaching rain and thunder, summer grass, fire, and fiddles.
1: Great. Thank you everybody That was Lizzie Wan This is Say Something Anything Which is a podcast brought to you by Puna Press An independent poetry and art and literary press In San Diego, California And if you couldn't tell from that performance Lizzie is a established poet Who has many years of experience Too and, many <laughs> <laughs> And um, thanks so much for doing the show It's really good to have you um, Actually when Ted and I were first brainstorming the podcast and who we wanted on it, Lizzie was one of the first names that came up, so I'm really glad to to get this opportunity. Thank you. Um, Before we dive into the more creative questions, our standard question that we ask is, how do you
0: drink your coffee? I have iced mochas. Iced mocha. Mocha, it's like chocolate, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's chocolate. Love it. (laughs) And also at work, I drink just regular coffee with cream and sugar. So a little bit of sweet to add to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On. Always. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm with you on that. Although, I drink my coffee black. I have the biggest sweet tooth in the world when it comes to coffee. I just like it straight up. But I
0: love chocolate, cupcakes, <laughs> and, all- and great you diet. I should have known. I would have brought you something.
1: <laughs> no, because I would have not even been engaged in this podcast. I would just be eating the whole time. You'd hear me talking like through mouthfuls of cupcakes or whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, I did some... Research, stalking, whatever word you want to use, sure. on the internet, and so you were on the slam team for Laguna Beach, yes, in 1999, yes, right. And was that your first sort of induction
0: into poetry, slam poetry? Um, sort of. I I went to UCSD and I majored in writing, literature, and one of my professors was Quincy Troop, who is very well known. And his style of reading, performing, is what opened my eyes to that style. And he's, he, you know, long ago, you know, more than 20 years ago, he was part of the Taos uh, Poetry Circus that happened out in Taos, New Mexico, for a long time. Um, and through him, I also was introduced to Patricia Smith, who was a big slam um, winner back in the day. And um, so that's how I kind of got into that style. Mm-hmm. I I started going up to Laguna Beach because there was nothing in San Diego at that time. Right. Uh, like poets like Jimmy Jazz, Angela Boyce, uh, Tamara Johnson, they were they were doing s- similar things like that. But I don't think any official slams. They may have done some here, but they weren't there weren't there wasn't a team or anything. Right. And I'd been performing. Coffee houses like the Wiki Up, which just doesn't exist anymore, um, starting in around '95. So I'd been performing for about four years before I joined the slam. T- before I became a member of the slam team, I, you don't just join. You have to. You have you to work. You're that. Yeah. How I made it, I still don't know, but I'm glad I was there.
1: Um, yeah. No. And that's actually that brings up something that I wanted to ask you because so. Word around the water cooler, aka more of my internet stalking. And uh-huh. some people I know, um, you were really uh, a big part in bringing that slam scene to San Diego.
0: Yeah, um, I did my best. I I started putting on. Um, I did some poetry and music shows uh, called Live Out Loud, that combined poets with musicians. Um, and then I started doing like little one-off slams here and there. I was working. Um, not working, but I was uh, affiliated with the Writing Center, which has evolved into San Diego Writers Inc. Um, so I would put on poetry slams like at the Old Sod and Java Joe's, and you know, slowly I, I I didn't have it in me to to be a slam master myself, but my friend Robert O'Sullivan, um, he he really loved the idea of slams, and so he. He took it, and he, he started the slam in San Diego. Um, and uh, that happened at the Urban Grind, which also doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, Aunt Black used to go to that. Chris Wilson, who's now the slam master for San Diego. So, you know, it was, it was neat to be part of that. Um, so I appreciate that you knew that. But, you know, I think it was a natural evolution right. as people you know started getting more into the performance of poetry.
1: And yeah, so I I know you I also write about your integration with music and poetry and combining the two and you had house concerts mm-hmm. at your house and yep. um and I think all of that is really cool. What do you see as that connection between poetry and music? Why do they go so well together? Sure.
0: Um I I became I fell in love basically with the singer-songwriter scene in San Diego. The acoustic musicians in this town are unbelievable, and I found that to be a very natural connection. The singer-songwriters are are writing songs that are basically poetry on you know in verse yeah. or in melody or whatever.
1: And obviously, music is more prevalent in the mainstream than yeah. poetry, so I'm sure that. brought more attention to the poetry you know people are going because they hear music and they like music and then seeing the way these two different uh, forms of art can connect um, you know it's broadened people's horizons um. yeah
0: and I also was really lucky because a lot of the singer songwriters um, also really liked my work and so sometimes they would have me open for them Um, at my house concert I would open some shows or have other poets um there's one group from L.A. Um, gosh, I can't remember their name now, but Matthew Mars is the lead singer, and he's a well-known Orange County poet. So he he read as well before his show. So it was it was a great. It was kind of a a different way to do the Live Out Loud series that I had started before to kind of bring it home, but have it be more focused on music. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you elaborate
0: a little bit more on the Live Out Loud series? Sure. I think I did four of them. And it was usually two or three poets and two or three musicians. And, you know, I do them at Java Joe's was one place I did it, um, the Millennium Coffee House, which then became Claire de Lune. And it was just a, you know, I usually performed and then had the musicians play. And it was just a great way to integrate the two Art forms, right? Right, and people really liked it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sounds really cool. I love um, combining different art forms and mixed media. So that sounds like a really awesome thing. Um, And I just want to go back to. I know you said that you don't want to take the credit or whatever, (laughs) but I mean, you were part of it. Like you were here when uh, Slam. Became a bigger thing in San Diego, and you were really passionate about the music scene. So, where were you, you know, in your life at that time? What gave you this drive to
0: push for those things being more prevalent in San Diego? It's um, a great question. So, I, I think it. I mean, I moved to here to Golden Hill in March of 2000, and I moved to this amazing house, this Craftsman bungalow. And it was just, like, built for house concerts. (laughs) And um, my friend Jeff Berkeley, he said the same thing when he he was helping me move. And he was like, you should do shows here. And I was like, what? And he he told me about this phenomenon of house concerts. And there was one other in San Diego at the time. It was uh, Jimmy Dukes. And he's out in Lakeside, I think. His series is called Dark Thirty House Concerts. And he's been doing it forever. And he still does them. Oh, wow. And, um... So, you know, I gave it a shot. And I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, you know, like where where you started? Why? What was the motive? Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, okay. And, you know, at the time I'd been reading in coffee houses a lot. And, you know, I, I kind of got a little burnt out, you know. You, you tend to see a lot of the same people. And so I was just like, I need another outlet. And that was a, a perfect one for me because yeah. it was at my house. So that was great. Um, my neighbors were all super cool. It was all good. All the money went to the musicians. I didn't make any money. Um, I got local businesses to donate food, etc so it was it was great that is It was really really, nice. really fun and I, I treasure those memories so much and it really was a, a burgeoning time for the, for the acoustic music scene too and um, I was also working with a, a band Berkeley Heart. And we kind of got on this, you know, sort of house concert revolution sort of thing. So I would take the, what I had learned from my own house concerts and went to their fans and help them create their own house concerts. Yeah. And so that has spawned a lot of different house concerts here in San Diego that a lot of musicians play. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, everybody does it differently and that's fine. Um, but it it. It created this new venue for musicians to play, where they get paid well. People get a great show. It's very intimate, and um, I don't know. It just it just felt like the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. And when it ended, I was sad, but it was it was okay because I had helped create all these other things, and um, and you know, again, I just kind of was like, okay, this that's that's done now, <laughs> and. You know, now there's other people doing amazing shows, not just house concerts, but amazing opportunities for musicians. Catherine Beeks is a great proponent of local music, so check her out, listenlocalsd.com. Nice. A little plug. A little plug, (laughs) yeah. Um, And so I guess say what you want, but
1: you clearly were, you initiated a lot of projects that are still continuing today in San Diego, which I think is great. Thank you. Who knows, you know, i would be here if there wasn't people that want to start cool things like that. Yeah. Um, so you talked about when it ended. Was that just, it sort of felt
0: like the time was right? Well, I I ended up moving out of the Golden Hill House in 2008, I want to say. and My years may be a little mixed up. But um, then I took a little bit of time off, and then I ended up doing shows in Normal Heights at another Craftsman place and those were great shows too and um i didn't live there so it was kind of nice for those tenants those you know they were friends of mine yeah. to let me come in and do that and have right. people invade their home you know once a month um and then i did end up moving in there say i don't re- i don't remember the timing anymore but that those shows ended as well i think because we moved out of there too <laughs> and then we moved to Claremont and that house just isn't set up for that. Uh-huh. And so plus, you know, as I got older my, my job responsibilities became a little bit more heavy duty and it was just it just kind of didn't have the same priority in my life and I was kind of done. I've been thinking, you know, and I put on some some shows here and there independently. Uh-huh. Um I did a couple benefits for a singer songwriter out of LA, um, Eric Lowen. He had ALS. And so I did a couple fundraisers for him. Um, he has since passed, but those were great shows and raised some money for him and that was was really rewarding.
1: yeah, yeah, that sounds incredible where I mean where does your relationship with poetry I mean, I guess poetry and music, but where does that stand now?
0: so last year i I kind of wanted to try to rededicate myself to. Performing, getting out there, supporting—I—I'd always tried to kind of keep in touch with poets, etc. Um, so I started going to some of the open readings around town, and there are some really, really great ones. Um, some of my favorites are Cafe Cabaret with Jim Moreno as the host, Jimmy Open Mic. Um, Jimmy, Second Tuesday, I don't know the whole name. We can do some research, and I'll add it to the episode (laughs) description. Rebecca's in South Park is great. Uh, Eber Lambert is the host of that. Um, And then the Slam, the San Diego Poetry Slam and Elevated, those are phenomenal readings. They are always packed, at least every time I go. Um, And I just kind of go, how did you do this? (laughs) You know, they get people to come out and pay $5 and... I there's a line for it. A, really a line, a really huge line. line. And it's it's really great work, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I wrote a story on last year's Slam Team that was in the Troubadour uh, magazine, um, which was great, you know. Yeah. I really like all those guys. They're phenomenal. Chris Wilson does such a great job. Um, anyway, so I did that for the year. And, you know, it was good. I liked doing it. I think I had a feature at Cafe Cabaret and uh, had a feature at Upstart Crow, which is another great reading. And then when the year was over, I was kind of like, okay, that was that was fun. You know, I wrote some new stuff. This year, I'm, I'm still trying to support as much as I can. Um, I saw Jimmy Jazz Cafe Sabaka. Yes. <laughs> and he was awesome. So I, I'll try to go out every now and then, but I don't really have a serious... Writing time or anything like that mm-hmm. um, but it's it's always part of who I am just
1: so would you say that writers are writers for life? I
0: think so, yeah, yeah
1: I would think I would agree with that and yeah. I could I relate to that internal, just you identify with it and and I was just talking to you before what I was reading um, on. The blog that you have that you did, the Poetry Month, and you wrote a yeah. poem every single day for one month. Which yeah, is just, amazing. Yeah, um, I think that's important for writers to know that whether they're in the thick of it and going out and doing all of these things or if they're just, you know, doing it for themselves, you still identify as a writer, you still are a writer. And for sure. Yeah. Is there anything that you think I'm leaving out, or you think it's important to mention? Hmm.
0: I just... I guess I would say that i'm I'm so happy that the poetry scene has continued to evolve and grow and um you know, there's still some of us from the the old days, as you might say. You know, Chris Van was the first poet I ever met, just like almost every poet in this town. And he was our very first guest on the podcast. Uh, he's, and he's great. He's everywhere, and he never stops. So it's great to go out to readings and, see, and still see a lot of the same people, and yeah. then to see, see and hear new people come up. Um, at Rebecca's, I met John Tobias, who was—he's a great writer— and that's the only place i've ever seen him but he's he's so phenomenal so i just encourage people to to go to those open readings and you know see what happens you know a lot of the people that i started with are you know publishing books and you know just doing all kinds of things touring etc it's it's really inspirational and wonderful and i just so happy so for (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, <I'm not>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For aspiring writers, um, do you think that that is the first step for them going to these open mics and events? Yeah, okay.
0: for sure. Um, there's, you know, there's so many readings in town that you kind of have to find your your home base, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go out and try all the different mm-hmm. readings that you can, and then you know see where you feel comfortable, and then maybe ask somebody to help. Like read your stuff and give you critiques, or you know, take a class at San Diego Writers Inc. because yeah. you know they offer poetry courses and workshops and that are that are really helpful. And I took a lot of them, and I I've worked with some really amazing poets. So yeah, that, I think that's a great a great place to start. Great,
1: great. That's really awesome. Okay, well, thanks. Now I really am done. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. I? Now I am. Um, yeah, that's very, I think, helpful information and it's really, I, for me at least, it's inspiring to hear that whether you're doing a lot of things like being on the slam team or you're just writing every day for a month, whatever it is, keeping some sort of that writer mentality with you at all times, it's just, it's an important thing to hold on to
0: Yeah. Day, so I do, I do want to say one other thing just in the whole slam story I don't think I should um, get away without saying that um, I think it was Chris helped organize the slam. There was a slam at street scene like long ago, probably 19 years ago or something. And Sharon, Elise was the winner of that and she's awesome. So I just wanted to give her a shout out too.
1: <laughs> shout out. Yay, Sharon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting now that the slam is like, oh, yeah. in, it's going, it's happening in August. But yeah. In Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Second year in Oakland. Where was it? Uh, when you were on the team.
0: Chicago. <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, the finals were in the Chicago Theater. Wow. It was unbelievable.
1: Well, thanks again. Liffie, oh, yeah. So You're much. welcome. And uh, now Lizzie is going to read a second poem okay. to close out the episode. So
0: here we go. A girl I know. When she closes her eyes, she sees sunspots that bloom into sunflowers. She tilts her head back and looks up to tall green stalks. Brown centers wink at her. When she opens her eyes, the clouds are scattered like buckshot across the sky. Deep down, she believes she's not particularly good at anything, but sometimes she surprises herself. Water is metallic in her mouth, so she thinks she is losing her humanity. She cries at confrontation and sappy movies, so we know she isn't. She is not winsome or light, though she wishes like hell she could be one day, wearing sundresses and drinking bourbon during an Indian summer. Till then she'll stare into the sun, close her eyes, and disappear into a field of sunflowers. One more walk
1: among the
0: trees.
1: again, that was Lizzie Wan, I am Kara Goldfarb, and this is Say Something, Anything, if you are a poet or know a poet who you think would be great to be on our show, email me at kara at punapress.com. That's K A R A at punapress.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Fare thee well, my flu.